Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We are studying the Bible so that we can know what God has told us, how to be followers of Christ. We're working our way through 1 John. We're in the final chapter of 1 John, chapter 5. Today we're looking at chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, and this is episode 43. Let's read the passage, 1 John, chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, John has been talking about testimony, evidence that we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We can believe that Jesus is the Savior because there is testimony about that. Testimony by witnesses who bring evidence. And the primary one who testifies is God himself. And so last time we looked at that, that it's God's own testimony about Jesus that leads us to believe. He said, and those who do believe have that testimony within them. The Holy Spirit testifies internally that what they have believed is true. So now in verse 11, he says, and this is the testimony. So what's the testimony? The testimony from God about his son? This is it, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. This is the gospel. The gospel is the explanation of how to be reconciled with God. The essence of the gospel is that we're separated from God because of sin. Sin carries a death penalty. That goes back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where God told them, if you sin, there will be death. And they did sin, and so there was death, and still is death, and we're all born under that death penalty. But the good news is, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus lived among us. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to take the death penalty on himself. This is very much in opposition to the opponents of John, the Antichrist, who are spreading the lies about Jesus, that Jesus really isn't the Son of God. He really wasn't the Christ. There was just the Christ spirit. So when Jesus died on the cross, that was just a man, or maybe even wasn't real at all. It was just an illusion. But No, the gospel, the the death of Jesus is the central part of the gospel. That death penalty that we deserve, Jesus took upon himself. And because of what he did, he makes possible reconciliation with God. So that's the gospel. If we respond in faith, faith in what Jesus did on the cross, we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness, then God forgives us and adopts us as his children. Then we have eternal life. So the gospel isn't just a story to believe. It isn't just a a series of facts to say, yes, I believe. There's a result of believing in the gospel, a result of faith in Christ, and that result is eternal life. So it's not just a matter of believing what is true, it also results in eternal life. Now, verse 12, he says, the one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is something he's mentioned a few times before already in this letter. 
that there are two groups of people in the world, those who follow Christ and those who don't, those who have eternal life and those who don't, those who are children of God and those who aren't. And, and so it's, there's no gray area. There's no spectrum. It's a, it's a hard, fast one or the other. You are either a child of God or you're not. Here he's talking about having life. You either have life because of Christ or you don't. There's no in-between, no straddling the fence. You're in one group or the other. And John's talked about this group. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. So he's talking here also about the exclusivity of Christ. Eternal life comes through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other path. There is no other way to be reconciled with God. This bothers some people because they say it just sounds so so exclusive, so narrow. And it does if you think labels. If you say things like, well, you believe that only Christians can go to heaven. Well, if you're thinking in terms of labels, that sounds bad. But think about it this way. God has said that people can go to heaven. But here's how they go to heaven. They go to heaven through faith in Christ. And here's how you do it. You experience the faith in what Jesus did on the cross. You confess your sin. You repent of sin and ask God to forgive you. And if you do, anybody, anywhere, anytime can be forgiven of their sin and experience eternal life. That's what God has said. So anybody can do this. It's not just a, a, a group of people. It's anybody who has done what God has said to do. Now, what we call those people who have faith in Christ, we call them followers of Christ. And, and that's what the term Christian literally means, is a Christ person. So it, it's not that God loves Christians. It's that that's what we call people who have done what God said to do. God has said, this is how you have eternal life. And so we attach that name to the people who've done that. Unfortunately, over time, the name gets abused and misused. And so we call people Christians who just go to a church. We call people Christians who have some kind of Christianity in their heritage. We call people Christians who, well, just apply that label to themselves. But we use that label improperly. Because what we're really talking about is not that, well, anybody who calls himself a Christian has eternal life. We're saying anyone who has done what God said to do has eternal life. And that is to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. To repent of sin, confess their sin, and ask for forgiveness based on the faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Anyone who does that has eternal life. That is the exclusivity of Christ. It's not anybody who has a certain label. It's not anybody who goes to a certain church. It's anyone who has followed Christ in faith. So that's the exclusivity of Christ. It's not that my church can beat up your church. It's that those who have done what, what God has said to do have eternal life. John explains in verse 13, 
well, what he's after in all this. He says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. He says, I've written these things. This is now John adding his testimony. He's been talking about testimony. There's testimony. We have an internal testimony. Of the Holy Spirit, God has testified with the historical reality of Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and directly touching people's hearts. John's now adding his testimony. I have written these things, and I've written them to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. This sounds much like uh, something in the Gospel of John. The very end of chapter 20 in John's Gospel, verses 30 and 31, John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There John summed up his gospel and said, the reason I'm writing this is not just to provide a historical account, not just so you can know what happened, not just so you can know the facts. I've written these so that you may believe and have life in his name. Same thing here in verse 13. He said, I'm not writing this just so you can be smarter. I'm not writing this so you can be theologically correct. I'm writing this so that you can know you have eternal life, so you can know you are a child of God, so you can know which group you're in, because there's only two groups of people, those who have life in Jesus and those who don't. And I've written this so that you can know that you do have life in Jesus. He's writing it to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, and he's mentioned that several times. He uh Back in chapter 3, he, he kind of asks the question. He says, you know, what is God told us to do? What is the command of God? He answers it in chapter 3, verse 22. He says, this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So believe in Jesus Christ. That's what God has told us to do. That is the command of God that we are to follow. In uh Chapter 5, verse 5, he said, Who's the one who conquers? The one who believes in Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, The one who believes has the testimony within himself. So we've been called throughout this, this letter of John is to believe. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe in Christ. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, to, to believe, which because of that belief, we then follow. And as John has said, if you say you're a follower of Christ, but you're not following Christ, you're a liar. So there he's, he's doing away with the labels, back to the exclusivity of Christ. He says, those who are followers of Christ are the ones who are following Christ because of that belief. There's reasons to believe, and the reasons are based on the evidence, the historical reality of Jesus, who he was, what he did, what he said, and then the spiritual aspect, the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, convicting us of sin and drawing us to God, the Word of God, the testimony that God has given us, that the Holy Spirit 
supervise the writing of and touches our hearts when we read, there are reasons to believe the testimony that God has given us. Well, thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working our way through 1 John.